Today, we're looking at the impact of these adjustments on the Department of Science and Innovation. So we've also invited the CSIR as well as the NRF. So we will uh, allow the department and the two entities to make presentations for 30 minutes each, after which we are going to open to the members to engage like we did yesterday. <coughs> uh, the minister, as well as the deputy minister, is, uh, send their apologies. Uh, there's some agent matters where the minister had to attend to. The deputy minister is leading the de delegation uh, of uh, the Department of Higher Education and Training. They are briefing the select committee of the NCOP, the same briefing they were briefing us yesterday. Um, maybe we should have, uh, on hindsight, we should have combined these uh, briefings have a joint meeting with the select committee so that the department doesn't have to brief them and brief us. But anyway, the DM is leading the delegation this afternoon or this evening. Any other apology? None, Chair. Okay. <clears throat> All right, let's get straight to the presentation and uh, welcome the DG. Dr. Phil, together with your delegation, let's let me hand over to you so that you can take us through your presentation. Thanks very much, Chairperson. Uh, I will um, uh, and honourable members, I, I will load the presentation and they will drive it from here, and the CFO will do the first set of slides, and then I will do the last uh, set of slides. So I can hope I we'll be able. It's quite bad where you are. Uh, are you home? Yes. Okay. Can you see the presentation? Yeah, yeah. The presentation is coming up. All right. So I'm handing over to the CFO. Uh, I'll take uh, uh, the second half. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, DG. Good evening, Chairperson. Good evening, Honorable Members. I'll be taking you through the first part of the presentation, which mainly focuses on the budget. DJ, it looks like the presentation is not on a slideshow. Um, if we can also go on slide, and also go to slide two. Thank you. Uh, the information, yeah, yeah, can go to the second slide. Can move to slide two. This is slide two on my side. I see. Okay, yeah, thank you. The information on this slide represents the budget that the department had at the beginning of the financial year. This is the same budget that had informed our ATP. This budget and the ATP were presented to the Portfolio Committee in May 2020. 
we have included this information so that we can have a reflection on the budget that we had before the cuts and what we are having now after the cuts were effected. We had a total budget of 8.797 billion rand allocated in the financial year 2020-2021. 92.8% of our budget, which is 8.2 billion rand, comprised of transfers and subsidies. This is the money that is transferred to our entities, other science councils, and other institutions such as the university. And the department retains 7.2% of the budget under the compensation of employees, goods and services and capital assets, cover salaries, administrative and operational expenses. We can move. Okay, this slide was also presented previously. These are all DSI entities. I'm sure members are already familiar with them. Uh, this slide also indicates that 78% of our transfers and subsidies budget is allocated to our entities. This budget comprises of the parliamentary grant and the earmark funding. We can also see on how the funds are allocated to different entities. Next slide. These are the budget cuts that were effected during the special adjustment budget 2020-2021. The information indicate the information indicates areas where the budget has been reduced. 40 million rand was reduced from compensation of employees, which is 2.8% of the cuts, 53.4 million rand from goods and services. It constitutes 3.7% of the cuts. We have split our biggest budget item, which is transfers and subsidies into two categories. This is because the cuts in these two categories were effected differently. The first category is the public entity parliamentary grants, and the second one is funding for specific programs and projects. The parliamentary grants contributed nine, 295 million rent to the cuts, and the biggest portion of the budget was reduced from the transfers for specific programs and projects. The total budget cuts for the department amounts to 1.435 billion rand, which constitutes 16% of our original budget. The National Treasury initially wanted us to submit a budget cut proposal of 20%. During our engagements with them, we, we indicated that we have already prioritized 4% of our budget, which is 324 million rand, to support COVID-19 initiatives. Therefore, it will be extremely difficult to propose a 20% cut over and above the reprioritized COVID-19 budget. We then requested that the budget set aside by the department 
to support COVID-19 initiatives be considered to be part of the required 20% cut. Because even though the budget will remain in the department, it has the same effect as the cuts since some of the activities which the funds were initially appropriated for will have to be halted, scaled down or deferred. Our request was considered. So the budget cuts include COVID-19, that includes COVID-19 budget, is 1.75 billion rand, which is 20% of the department's original budget. So the 3.4 is suspended for COVID-19 initiatives, remains in the department, the 1.4 is going out of the vote. Thank you. Next slide, please. CFO, can I can I ask you just to speak to the mic because your voice keep on fading. There are times you are clear, sometimes you are fading. So be speak okay. to if you can, yeah. I will try chair. I'm using the iPad because my laptop has challenges. Um I will I will try. You, are clear. Uh, you can just keep it. Am like I clear? Okay, I will just come closer. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chairperson and Honourable Members. I will now take you through some of the assumptions and rationale that we have used to propose the budget cuts in specific areas. We anticipate realized savings under salaries budget because the recruitment process was delayed due to the lockdown. We will therefore be able to absorb the 40 million rent cut under compensation of employees through these savings. Under goods and services, we have identified items that will not be required and activities that will be halted or severely restricted under the lockdown conditions. We have identified seven main areas where savings will be realized. The first, areas, as we can, the first area, as we can see, is travel. And that also includes its related costs such as subsistence allowance and admin fees for the travel management companies. The assumption that we've made here is that the borders will remain closed for the remainder of the financial year. Hence, the international travel budget has been reduced by 100%. We have also reduced our local travel budget by 70%. We are mindful, Chair, that the situation might change and we will revise these plans and the budget should the lockdown rules on travel be relaxed before the end of the financial year. The other items that were also um, identified under goods and services as reflected uh, projected on the slides were based on a specific assessment and assumptions that we have made. I'm not going to go through each um, of them in the interest of time. Next slide, please. This slide shows a breakdown of the parliamentary grant uh, budget cuts per entity. As mentioned earlier on, that the parliamentary grant contributed to 95 million to the cuts, and we can see the amounts vary in proportion to the size of the parliamentary grant. Can move. We can move to the next slide. While still on the parliamentary grant, uh, this next slide has details. Um, 
a 10% cut was effected on entities' parliamentary grant across the board. The same percentage was applied because all entities are using parliamentary grant for similar activities, mainly for salaries, administrative and operational expenses. The department was mindful that a cut of 20% as proposed by Treasury across all entities will have a severe impact on their sustainability. Uh, we have also considered that most entities are using some of our parliamentary of their parliamentary grant to fund projects, hence a lesser percentage was proposed in order to minimize the impact of the card, particularly given that some entities have lost a significant amount of external revenue due to COVID-19 and the economic conditions. It is, however, expected that entities will realize savings in some areas where there will be little or no activity during the lockdown, and some of these savings will be able to help to minimize the impact of the cards. We can move. Honourable members will remember from one of the previous slides that over 1 billion rand was cut under transfer funding for specific programs and projects. This is where the bulk of the budget has been allocated, hence we also have seen a lot of cuts coming from this area. The following factors were considered when we were proposing the cuts in this area. We have looked at the project that will not be feasible to implement due to COVID-19. For an example, uh, those will be infrastructure and science awareness uh, or event-related projects. We have also looked at the projects that were allocated funds during the last quarter of the previous financial year, and that had slim prospect of spending the money in 2020-2021 due to uh, the prevailing conditions. We also considered um, projects that could be delayed or temporarily suspended until the next financial year without any negative impact in the long term. Unfortunately, even after applying these principles, the budget was not sufficient to cover the required amount of the cuts. And as a result, critical areas such as human resource development and others had to be compromised. The National Treasury was made aware of the impact of these cuts, especially in the critical areas. We had hoped, Chair, that those critical areas will not be cut, but unfortunately, when we received the revised allocation letter a few weeks ago, this, uh, the cuts in these areas were confirmed. And we as a department had to understand and accept <clears throat> there are competing priorities against the constrained fiscals. Uh, CFO. On this slide, Chair. Okay. Your audio is, uh, is, is, is really bad. Yeah. 
Okay, let okay, let me hold it on my hand, maybe. Is it better now? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay. <clears throat> it's better because I'm scared my laptop keep on disconnecting, so my iPad network seems better. I'll just see, yeah, I've got my iPad literally closer to my mouth. Okay. okay. Thanks, Chair. And now we are on slide nine. Slide nine uh, reflects uh, the budget cuts per program, excluding a parliamentary grant. These amounts include compensation of employees, goods and services, and transfer funding for specific projects. The budget cuts on compensation of employees and goods and services were mainly reduced under program one, which is administration program. Program three contributed a lot as well under goods and services. The program's goods and services budget is 19 million, therefore, the 14.4 million in cuts under this item constitutes 76% of the budget, which is quite substantial. The program also has a lot uh, of international activities, including international travel that has to be suspended due to the lockdown. Hence, we're able to identify a lot of savings um, uh, from this program. Program four is evidently the program with the biggest part under transfers and subsidies and also overall. And, and the next slide is reflecting on the reasons as to why the program uh, was uh, had, had the biggest cut. And you can see, uh, I'm not going to go through all, all through of them, all, all of them, because um, I'm mindful of the time now. Uh, but you can see some of the reasons because uh, the program had uh, the biggest budget allocation. They also have a lot of infrastructure projects that will have to be delayed due to COVID, and most of their projects also had surpluses and after the assessment and analysis that we've done, we're confident that these surpluses will be able to cover them for the remainder of the financial year. And then we can reallocate budgets uh, in, in, in the coming uh, fiscal period. And also one thing to mention is that the 24 million rent that is suspended to COVID mainly comes from program two, three and five. Because the COVID work that is being done by Program 4 mainly um, we're using previous allocated funds. So this also made it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to impose further cuts in other programs uh, over and above what was already already proposed. Thank you, Chair. I'll, I'll hand over to the DG. Thanks very much, uh, uh, CFO. So, Chair, I'm going to start by giving uh, the breakdown of the 324 million that the CFO indicated uh, as 4% of the 20% cut. So uh, as you can see, uh, there was approximately 1.6 million, um, which uh, we had to earmark uh, for employee health and safety in terms of uh, PPEs, um, as well as sanita sanitizers and the provision of digital communication because of uh, working from home. Uh, the Technology uh, Innovation Program 2, about 102.5 million, um, uh, and they have been supporting the indigenous knowledge-based remedies 
uh, we've heard a lot about the work uh, in to support Madagascar and the work that we are doing with our indigenous knowledge holders uh, around a particular medicinal plant that uh, is assumed to be showing some promise to provide uh, immune uh, modulation for COVID-19. Development and manufacturing of test kits and reagents, including rapid tests, and you've heard that the CSIR and two of our uh, platforms are already uh, doing tests approved uh, to support the Department of Health. A study for repurposing of some of the drugs like mal malaria drugs to see if they have therapeutic effect. And then the space agency was asked to assist the Department of Human Settlements as well as the uh, Department of Small Business on the uh, imagery for settlement layers as well as mapping of spaza shops and, and hotspots. We also uh, managed to secure uh, 35 million uh, to support uh, the International Solidarity Partnership. 15 million was used uh, to leverage about 75 million with the partner countries, Canada, Germany and the UK in order to support uh, the activities in the rest of the continent, continent to respond to COVID-19 and then 20 million uh, to co-fund South African participation in a number of European Union uh, programs. Uh, program 585 million and here um, there is work that is supporting the CSIR to develop a data system uh, and then uh, the work that is being done by the HSRC and some of the science councils to look at uh, the human behavior and perceptions through the number of surveys that they do, uh, the deployment of additive manufacturing 3D technologies for the printing of some of the uh, PPEs uh, in some of the uh, technology stations. Uh, I'm sure you've heard recently that the CSIR is coordinating a national ventilator program. Uh, and as I've indicated, some of the small medium enterprises um, and, and technology stations program. So this is again just uh, uh, another way of showing then how uh, the budget uh, ended up uh, with 1.435. And as we indicated, the 324 making 1.7 uh, was earmarked for the projects that I've just shared with the uh, members. So the impact of the budget cuts uh, on the compensation of employees, we don't anticipate a negative impact uh, because as the CFO had indicated, general delay in filling of the vacant posts. So we've tried to um, do a scenario planning as to when these posts uh, will be filled um, in goods and services, as she indicated, in areas where we are unlikely to be traveling or uh, having activities that require um, advertising. We've made cuts on those, so we think that will not be affected. Uh, but of course, we've made sufficient funds for IT platforms to support the employees working um, remotely. And as we expect, the department and its entities have to uh, revise the number of targets. So I just want to quickly go through those targets that uh, uh, we have uh, revised in program one, uh, science communication, branding and marketing and activities uh, that will be reduced. 
and then uh, as we indicated on the 90% uh, of approved funded post field by March, we will have 75% because of the delays that uh, we have indicated. In program two, instead of having 17 technology demonstrators, prototypes, products and services developed in these areas, we're going to have 10. And then instead of seven commercial products in these areas, we're going to only have four. There have been uh, budget cuts in this program, but there's no in intention to revise any of the planned targets. Uh, the program aims to do more with less. And then on program four, um, three main areas have been affected. Uh, the students, as we anticipate, instead of uh, 3,100 uh, PhD students, we will have to award 2,000 PhD students. Uh, pipeline students, postgraduate uh, uh, students, uh, instead of 9,300, we will support 6,000. And then the researchers as the second category, uh, 950 less uh, for the NRF managed programs. And then in terms of the accredited research uh, articles uh, from 7,000 to 6,500. And the CFO indicated that uh, it is anticipated that some of the initiatives that are promoting public uh, awareness and engagement uh, will be reduced. So that indicator has been uh, removed because the chances of uh, hosting the National Science Week and Science Festivals are almost uh, zero. And then uh, a reduced uh, availability of broadband uh, capacity under the National Integrated Cyber Infrastructure uh, System, NICIS. We also, uh, in Program 5, going to have a reduced number of students, uh, honors, masters, and doctoral students that are participating in these specific areas that are shown uh, from 392 to 313, and then on industry-relevant knowledge and innovation products from 70 uh, to 42 in the IP portfolio. So in conclusion, uh, Chairperson, is that we've tried um, to make tra trade-offs and uh, even though it's it's difficult, um, however, with all entities challenged by these cuts, it is sometimes not so easy to facilitate trade-offs, but we think with the framework that we have shared with you, uh, we've, we've done the best in consultation with National Treasury. And we have been told uh, by National Treasury that uh, in order to get the, the monies they needed, uh, some departments had to be cut at 27 or even 30 percent. So um, we accept the, the cuts that have been made. And then we will continuously assess the budget performance media. And if there are further adjustments, uh, we will engage with the entities. And of course, we will share with you, especially those entities that have to get external income. We are aware that uh, they will be under a huge pressure for them to get uh, the income both from government as well as uh, those that have to uh, get income from the private sector. And then uh, we also have uh, started to work with the entities to look at uh, monies that were transferred or unspent by the end of uh, this uh, financial year that has ended. And we would like to work with the entities to look at the progress made on these projects uh, we do know that uh, some of the monies are already monies that are committed, so we'd like to work with them. Uh, and then, of course, we will continue to redirect uh, funds to other entities 
um, that are heavily impacted even now as we identify new areas to support COVID uh, in government, uh, we uh, will continue to work with those entities. Uh, and then contractual obligations and their impact will be considered. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, DG. I think uh, uh, that was uh, good in terms of time, but also I think in terms of content. Um, one of the things that we, we want to get a sense of is what will be the impact of this adjustment on the approved APPs? What are the programs or priorities that are going to be abandoned as a result of this? What are those that are going to be revised and so forth and so forth? So I think uh, one is getting a sense of uh, what exactly this budget adjustment are going to to impact on the on the department. Uh, thank you very much, DG. Uh, can we move to the next presentation? Uh, which I think uh, Shana's uh, the next it's presentation. The CSIR chairperson. Is the CSIR okay? Okay, I think uh, if the chair of the board is uh, present, we will hand over to the chairperson to introduce the, the presentation and probably the CEO will take us through the details of the presentation. Thank you very much, Chair and uh, members of the Portfolio Committee. Thanks for this opportunity again. Um, the way we've structured the presentation, Chair, is twofold. So the major part of the presentation will really talk to the impact of uh, the budgetary constraints or the budgetary cuts on a number of programs we have within the organization and also the financial implications within the organization of these cuts. So that's the major part of the presentation. The latter part of the presentation, we felt that perhaps we should seize this opportunity, Chair and members, to update you a bit more, give you just a bit more detail on our interventions uh, in trying to put the lead on the schedule of uh, COVID-19. So um, the CEO and the executive will give uh, the granular part of the presentation, but basically it's just twofold. We'll talk about how this impacts on our programs and our financial situation, and also we'll just update you on our intervention. Some of these interventions you would have seen uh, in the public domain because they've played themselves out there as well. So without any further ado, and very much in the interest of time, let me hand over to the CEO to take us uh, from here. Okay, CEO. Thank you very much, Chair, for, for that. Uh, uh, good evening, uh, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Uh, I'd like to start off by very briefly reflecting on our mandate, if I can get the next slide, Elia, um, which um, requires us to conduct directed research and directed research and, and technological innovation that fosters scientific and industrial development, which ultimately um, contribute towards the improvement of the quality of lives of the people of South Africa. 
So everything that we do in the organization is informed by this mandate, and we, we often reflect on it to ensure that there is always alignment. Next slide. <clears throat> so the CSIR is heavily dependent on the public sector in terms of its income. 88% of our income is derived from work that we conduct from for the public sector. Um, of that 88%, 30% we receive as a grant from the Department of Science and Innovation, and the the remainder is um, is what we raise through a, a, a contract research and development that we undertake for various uh, government departments. In addition to this, we also generate about 300 million rands from the local private sector as well as a, a number of the international clients that we work with. So in the presentation this evening, we'll perhaps reflect firstly on the impact of the parliamentary grant reduction, but also we want to talk about the impact that we anticipate will arise from reduction in income from the 30-70% of our income that we receive in terms of contract research and development that we undertake for the public sector, the private sector, as well as the international clients that we work with. The next slide. So if one looks at the parliamentary grant reduction, as indicated by the CFO of the DSI, our baseline is expected to reduce by 86 million rands. And then our total um, parliamentary grant allocation reduces by uh, 99 million rands. This represents a 7.3% reduction in parliamentary grant in real terms and close to about 12% reduction in parliamentary grant in, uh, in, uh, in nominal terms. Uh, next slide. Compared to the 2019-2020 uh, 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 parliamentary grant allocation to the CSIR. So what will be the impact of this? So if you go to the next slide. Next slide. So our strategy will, of course, be significantly impacted by this reduction in parliamentary grant. Just go to the previous slide, please. In terms of the strategic intent of the organization, which perhaps can be summarized in, in four uh, key phrases, which is about achieving growth, impact, sustainability, and relevance. And how we achieve this is by ensuring that we invest and leverage our parliamentary grant through various strategic initiatives, focusing primarily on the development of new capabilities through investment in research infrastructure and development of new skills, <clears throat> as well as on the other hand, the commercialization of the technologies that we develop within the organization. So one will then, in the next set of slides, indicate the impact of the reduction in parliamentary grant in both of these aspects with regards to the strategic initiatives that we pursue to support the organization to achieve its strategic intent. Next slide. So if you look at um, the strategic infrastructure, which sits in the pillar of uh, the development of new capabilities, we will not be investing. We had intended to invest in further strengthening our biomanufacturing infrastructure, so that we have to be delayed. We had planned also to invest in high-end uh, analytical equipment such as nuclear magnetic resonance, NMR, and HPLCs, those will also be uh, delayed. We had also, as part of strengthening 
our capabilities in the area of smart mobility intended to establish a road and transport safety laboratory, which is a facility that doesn't exist in the country. We felt it's something very important given the high number of fatalities that we have in South Africa. So this infrastructure investment will also be put in abeyance as a result of the cut in our parliamentary grant. Next slide. Uh, CO, are, are you still there? Uh, we seem to have lost uh, the CEO. Uh, I can see that you are still connected, CEO. Maybe you need to unmute yourself. Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. No, thank you very much. Apologies for that. We just had load shedding here. It was supposed to start at 10, but it seems like they've changed the schedule. And um, apologies for the substitution to another another connection. So, so in terms of the development of new capabilities, uh, we had intended to invest in the development of capabilities in precision health. And that will now also be put in abeyance. And also we had intended to develop new capabilities in areas that we are trying to strengthen, such as agro-processing, as well as mining. So that also will be put in abeyance as a result of the reduction of parliamentary grant allocation. Next slide. With regards to commercialization of technologies, we initiated two programs in the organization over the past two years, focusing on further development of what we refer to as technology demonstrators, as well as a technology commercialization fund. We've also had to reduce the funding allocation to these two specific programs that are focusing on technology commercialization. Next slide. There are also a number of organizational-wide initiatives that we also had to review and reduce budget allocations for those. Then these are indicated here and include programs such as a leadership development program, our bursary program, our accelerated research and development program, which focuses on the development of African and female chief researchers within the organization. We also had to reduce the budget allocation to that program, as well as the allocation of a parliamentary grant towards our strategic support for portfolios within the organization. So all of these had to be revised down to accommodate the reduction in our uh, parliamentary grant allocation. Next slide. If you skip this one, you can go to the next one. Okay, next slide. Okay. So, so this gives a sense of the impact of the reduction in PG in, parliamentary grant, uh, in the parliamentary grant to the CSIR. The next set of slides will speak to the impact of the reduction in the other income sources into the CSIR and how we are going to address these within the organization. So I'll ask Kunga Ganjobe to speak to, to this, to this uh, next set of slides. Kunga. Thank you very much, CEO. 
Can members hear me? We can hear you, yeah, but if you can just get closer to your mic. That I'm, try, I'm trying to share. Good afternoon. Yep. Good evening. Uh, the, the part I'm touching on is really uh, has to do with the impacts relating to uh, COVID, the, the, the impact of COVID in the business as well as the lockdown on the business, which obviously puts an additional strain in addition to the PG cuts we've experienced. Um, as you know, we're a very complex organization. We operate in many sectors. We've done analysis uh, of impact in the, of, of COVID-19 on the CSR relevant sectors. Um, and some areas are going to be negatively impacted, but some may see renewal and growth. Uh, the obvious ones would be health, food and agriculture and, and manufacturing. And you'll hear later on when we share the examples of some of the COVID-related projects. Uh, contracting with external parties has been affected, there's been delays or postponed. Uh, we haven't had many cases of cancellation, but one or two. And then the other area that we're hampered around is international travel. When we have contracts internationally, of course, we couldn't travel during this time. And that has an implication in terms of the value of, of the amount we can earn from contracts that we've already secured, let alone securing new contracts. Uh, can you move us to the next slide, please? Um, our overview of the impact of COVID-19 lockdown, as well as COVID uh, impact generally. On the negative side, um, during the lockdown, we experienced low productivity. Um, there were some staff members who couldn't come to work. Uh, those who could, of course, um, they had to adjust to the circumstances. Uh, we couldn't earn income on contracts due to delays in procurement of goods required to support projects. So we got instruction, for example, from Treasury that uh, we couldn't do procurement in general and unless it was emergency procurement. There was a reduction in income as a result of adverse economic conditions. Of course, we know that business as businesses and potential clients are scaling down. Uh, and then international clients, uh, inability to deliver because we couldn't move. And then, of course, there were additional costs uh, uh, related to, to, to safety around COVID that we had to incur, which we're not budgeted for. But on the positive side, uh, there's been some benefits in terms of reduction in operating costs. Uh, energy, because people were working from home in terms of our electricity consumption, water, etc. But um, we also had to spend time on rethinking ways of working, of, of working, which impact on the cost of doing business. So li limited travel with, you know, digital meetings like we're doing at the moment. Uh, and then, of course, new businesses, uh, new areas of, of opportunities arose. I'm going to go quickly through the next slides, uh, Chair. The next slides, if you could come, if you could go to the next slide um, earlier. Uh, these these sets of slides are really just examples of projects or programs where our operations were affected because of the external 
um, situation and and, bus- and the business being affected by COVID. Uh, the two, the first two projects listed in this slide are actually projects that um, uh, were affected by the PG cuts, but also that then also limited them from leveraging external income. You know, because sometimes we do co-invest with external partners. So as a result, uh, we couldn't um, we couldn't we couldn't earn some in, some of the income that was planned, the investment that was planned. The last two on the slide really refer to projects that uh, involve regional partners. And again, the the issue I've already cited of not being able to travel or the the parties that we work with in the region couldn't come to South Africa. So those contracts had to be scaled down and we couldn't earn income related to those. You can, you can, can go to the next slide earlier. Uh, similarly, here, um, the two, first two pro- uh, programs uh, were affected by um, uh, the, the PG cuts and the scaling down on, on PG. And again, the fact that uh, the university community also was, wasn't as productive during the time of lockdown, um, those pro- programs again uh, had to scale down in terms of the amount they would have, uh, they would have earned. Uh, Titanium Center of Competence and Aerospace Industry Support Initiatives. Titanium Center is funded by DSI. Uh, that was affected by some cuts within the DSI. The Aerospace Industry Support Initiative affected by DTI uh, decision, again, to make overall cuts on COVID uh, because of COVID. Uh, so you can move me to the next slide, I think. Basically, Chair, these are just examples to indicate that our our other core product pro- programs, which were not necessarily um, hard, but because they couldn't leverage some of the expected money internally from the organization, the external world was also um, to the disadvantage of this program, so we couldn't earn some of the income we're expecting. The next slide, uh, Elia. Uh, I'm going to skip this slide, Chair. These are just all more and more of the other projects and, and initiatives that we affected. In terms of KPIs, we didn't di- give details uh, in this meeting because the CSR executive will be uh, uh, presenting the revised KPIs uh, to the board on Friday. But we can confirm here that a few of our, quite a lot of our KPIs are affected uh, in terms of our scientific output, in terms of um, uh, of our finances, uh, a little bit on our human capital. Uh, but Chair, I think in good time, we'll be able to share more detail with you on that after we've then gone through the process with the board. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Elia. I think it's the CFO that comes after me. Thank you. Yeah, that's correct. So the next, the next section, Honorable uh, uh, Chair, will be an, an assessment of the impact of the of these reductions in our income statement and in cash flow. Ashraf. Thank you, CEO. Um, honorable Chairperson, uh, honorable members, good evening. 
Um, so uh, I think this is uh, just an overview and we have covered some of these, but the main impact is um, the reduction in the parliamentary grant um, and also the reduction in our contract income um, as we, as my colleagues have spoken um, about. We can move to the next slide. Um, Chairperson, uh, this is a reflection of um, the impact on our income statement. So um, if we look at the, the third column, um, the variance to original budget, um, our contract and R&D income, um, that's uh, the, the research income that we, we generate um, both locally and internationally that will, uh, that's forecast to, to be reduced by 245 million. Um, as we've indicated, our parliamentary grant will go down by uh, by 10%, um, and we've covered, we've spoken a lot about that. Uh, various colleagues have touched on that. In terms of our running costs, um, we've spoken about utilities being reduced and uh, and other uh, costs related to contract work that we do. So that will reduce by by 78 million. Um, our manpower costs will reduce um, by 180 million um, as a result of uh, non, not filling crit uh, non-critical vacancies and um, also um, uh, not uh, granting a, an increase in, in October when increases are due. Um, so all in all, we'll move from a, a, a break-even situation uh, that we had originally planned for the year to a net loss of 83 million um, taking into account um, all the, the the positives and negatives uh, that we 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 have, um, can move to the next slide. Um, Chair, this is just an indication of uh, what our cash flow would normally look like, and so this is an example from the previous financial year, just to give you an, an overview of the trends. You can move to the next slide. And this is um, an indication of what the cash flow would have looked like um, had we had no uh, uh, decrease in the parliamentary grant. Um, so uh, taking into account all the other changes that we've discussed, but uh, no, no change on the parliamentary grant. Um, and uh, the impact on our cash would have been about uh, 250 million lower than, um, than what we had uh, originally budgeted for. You can move to the next slide. So this is the, the, the actual situation um, for um, April, May and June, and then the forecast for July to March. So we can see, um, and this includes the reduction in the parliamentary grant. So um, all in all, we, we, we have lost about, uh, or we forecast to lose about 350 million rand in cash um, due to uh, the the, the COVID-19 um, and adjustments that we've had to make and uh, our cash balance will, will be about 900 million um, at the end of the year if, if things go according to, to what we forecast. You can move to the next slide. Um, this is just a graphical representation of the previous slide. Um, and um, it, it's to show how um, our cash has re will reduce over the period uh, from 1.3 billion in April to 900 million at the end of the year. Um, you can move to the next slide. 
Uh, Chair, we've also um, done some scenario analysis um, with uh, modeling some uh, different scenarios, a 10% PG cut, a 20% PG cut, and a 40% PG cut. Um, and if we uh, look at a 40% PG cut, we'll, we'll lose an additional 400 million rand. Um, and that will have serious implications on um, on the financial sustain sustainability of the CSIR going forward. Um, we can move to the next slide. And this is the last slide on the financial uh, impact. Um, just a, an analysis of our debtors book from uh, from June last year to uh, to June this year, um, showing a significant increase in our debtors. Um, uh, even though um, income is reduced um, in the first quarter of the of of the financial year, uh, debtors have still gone up, um, and um, there's been uh, because of the, the the downturn in the economic situation, um, customers are struggling to to fulfil their obligations to us, um, and we could see an increase in uh, in in bad debts as we as we go forward. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, my colleague Matodi Masaramule will take us through the next portion of the presentation. Thank you very much, Ashraf. And in the remaining seven minutes, uh, Dr. Rachel Shukwamba and Dr. Matodi Masaramule will speak to a few examples of some of the work that we've started to do in support of the national response to, to COVID-19. So Dr. Masaramule first, a few minutes, and then Dr. Shukwamba. Yeah, we can add extra five minutes for you. No, thank you very much, Chair, for your generosity. So, colleagues, five minutes each, please, if we can try and do that. Okay. Thank you, thank, 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 thank you, CEO, Honorable Chair, and Honorable Members. Um, I'll, could you please move the, the, the slide, Ilya, to the next? Uh, next. So, I'll, I'll speak to the uh, matters on the left-hand side of the slide, and Dr. Chikomba will speak to the, the matters on the right-hand side. The next slide, please. So the, I, I think here, uh, honourable members, uh, the, you see the, the ecosystem coming to the party. Uh, the, this is the ecosystem under the Department of Science and Innovation that has come together, uh, study, uh, including the CSR and other and other groupings. So the the first one there, um, there's a, a, a locally designed and developed. Um, uh, ventilator uh, under contract from the uh, Solidarity Fund. So with this one, uh, uh, colleagues, they, they, they design, uh, the design effort started in March and already in, uh, in June, uh, in, in, in late June, we had gotten approval for the, uh, the, the medical ap approval for this. And as we speak, the 10,000 ventilators are scheduled to be delivered that will be crucial for the, the the management of the of, of, of the COVID-19, and we the the Minister of Health has indicated a desire to have an additional 10,000 uh, ventilators produced um, uh, uh, in in the same period. So we are very excited about this. The 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 second one um, the is a, the designed the previous the previous slide, please. Uh, the the facial the facial shields uh, that were developed through the, um, the, the the existing technology at the CSR was delivered. The, these were delivered to the South African National Defence Force, 
and uh, another another uh, collaborative effort, uh, largely by entities um, that are associated with the Department of Science and Innovation, includes the predictive modeling of COVID-19 that uh, that look into the the near horizon in terms of focus. Uh, uh, the number of cases, uh, positive cases, uh, the, the number of deaths the, uh, for decision-making support on ICU beds, ventilators, lockdown measures for the National Institute of Communicable Diseases, working with uh, South African Medical Research Council, uh, UP and VETS. Um, this has been a, a, a very crucial uh, and, and, and very successful cross-organizational uh, effort that uh, has had a strong leadership from the Department of Science and Innovation that has worked really well, and I think is supporting the national effort quite quite well. The next slide, please. The next slide, please, Elia. So uh, on the on this particular slide, uh, on the on the right hand side, you can see uh, the. Uh, an interactive map of vulnerable communities for the National Disaster Management Center being created to indicate where efforts should be focused because uh, we we anticipate that uh, we to see uh, steep fatalities and and, and steep um, uh, steep setbacks in terms of populations of of vulnerable communities so um, this also um, speaks to the, the 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 center that was developed for the department of health uh, and this has been expanded um, to a decision support center for other departments and agencies and again here we have a strong involvement and leadership from the department of science and innovation being uh, being involved and uh, we, 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 we and we, we greatly appreciate that the the last one um, uh, there is a mobility platform so here uh, we use mobile uh, mo mobile mo uh, mobile telephone companies data like uh, um, Vodacom and MTN to 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 understand mo movement patterns to to support a, a, a lockdown and to predict where the the next uh, the, the the next risk areas are going to be depending on where people move. So here we use the movement of of cell phones as a proxy for for movement of people, and uh, and for the, for support of lockdown compliance, and 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 for helping with tracing. Next slide, please. So we've we've also created uh, the impact of COVID nineteen on small businesses to inform government on the most appropriate support tools and packages for, uh, for, for for each sector. And uh, there has been um, the assisted water boards, uh, assistance to water boards and utilities to ensure that drinking water does not contain a causative agent of uh, COVID-19 and uh, we haven't uh, detected anything thus far. I'll stop here and hand over to Dr. Chukwamba. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Masirimule and CEO, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members and our colleagues from the DSI. Uh, if I can have the next slide, please, Eli. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Masirimule, has responded to the and highlighted the, the response 
in uh, engineering, modeling and manufacturing. I'm going to be talking about how we've answered the clarion call to action in the life sciences. And I will highlight only but a few of the uh, initiatives in this presentation. One that I would like to highlight on this particular slide is how we have supported and come to the party by um, supporting the NHLS with SEGE capacity. We have converted some of our BSL biosafety level two and three laboratories that we normally use for research with uh, infectious pathogens into COVID-19 testing laboratories. We have managed to get certificate, well, not certification, but qualification from the NHLS, and we are indeed providing support with the backlog that they have in COVID-19 testing. The last two points on this slide speak to initiatives that have been in the news lately, where the team at the CSIR has developed a QP quantitative PCR kit that really rapidly detects COVID-19. So it's a homegrown kit which is supported by the local manufacturer of diagnostic enzymes and the local manufacturer of antibodies. So all the reagents are made locally. This is to address the challenge of reagent availability and kit availability across the globe that we intermittently uh, experience. So homegrown solutions are being brought to bear here. And this is an initiative that is supported by the DSI, but as well as CSIR supported startup called KBio. Next slide, please. In the next slide, we talk about the work that the CSIR is doing with respect to testing medicinal plants to see their effectiveness against COVID-19. So there is select medicinal plants and herbal mixtures that are indigenous to South Africa that we, the CSIR, is part of a consortium that includes universities, UKZN, the Innovation Hub, the MRC, and many others are driving. Our part there is product and process development, and we want to see if any of these indigenous materials can be remedies to uh, this uh, COVID-19 and the conditions that it causes disease-wise. Related to this, and maybe a separate point that I want to make here is that we know that cash is uh, one of the areas in which the virus can be transmitted. The virus survives on money bills. We're working with the private sector and initiated conversations with the central bank to see how we can look to solutions that include uh, sanitizing money, but also making sure that it is potentially pre-coated with antiviral pro products that would prevent um, viral transmission. Early days yet for this project, but it is one that we believe is promising. On the next slide, we talk about uh, work that we're doing in uh, supporting the Department of Transportation, looking at the intensity of usage of taxi ranks, the processes and procedures, and how that has got implications on viral transmission and a separate project also on this slide has to do with looking at studies that review the economic impact of COVID-19, in particular working with the Northwest on how COVID-19 is impacting their economy with respect to the environment, tourism and other sectors that drive the Northwest economy. On the next slide, we highlight um, a few more initiatives that have to do with traditional medicines. I won't carry on at length because these are some things that we've spoken to already, but the new and unique thing that I want to highlight on this slide is how we are using plant platforms to look at uh, subunit vaccines 
in work that we have presented to NEPAD as a regional program that we could um, get funded to create a homegrown vaccine solution. And lastly, I think we are looking also at uh, the arts and craft sector, where we are supporting the Department of Arts and Culture to see the impact of COVID-19 on that specific sector. Next slide. And lastly, we're looking at uh, food safety and nutrition, where we're in discussions with basic education to look at some of our products that are nutritionally intense, very high protein content and very high um, essential mineral content products that could potentially be used in the nutritional programs for basic education. So there is a discussion that is going on with DSI and uh, DBE. And we're also looking into aspects of food safety under the prevailing conditions of um, COVID-19, looking at how we can start to support a regional laboratory, the regional laboratories association with the key things that they have to look into with respect to food safety, a proposal we're discussing with UNIDO, and of course, then looking at developing solutions for rapid on-site mobile food and water safety testing. These are some of the initiatives that we are undertaking to support uh, the COVID-19 um, clarion call to action and uh, to support government in their response. And I would like to leave it there and hand it over back to the CEO. Thank you very much, Rachel. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. I hope this gives you a sense of uh, the impact of the COVID-19 uh, situation, the COVID-19 pandemic on the CSIR and uh, the measures that we've put in place to try and mitigate this impact, as well as uh, some of the work that we've uh, been doing and continue to do to support the national response to COVID in line with our mandate, of course. So thank you very much. I'll hand back to you, Chairperson. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much, CEO and your team uh, and the Chairperson. Uh, that was quite a very interesting presentation that you you shared with us. Uh, I'd like to thank you for the for the presentation. Uh, I hope members have been taking notes. They will uh, engage with the presentation uh, when we open up. Uh, I found it to be very interesting the initiatives that you are taking in support of the efforts. Uh, <laughs> the spread of uh, COVID-19. Can we get to the last uh, presentation? National Research Foundation. Uh, honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Okay, let's start with the chairperson of the board and then uh, who can then do an uh, overview and then hand over to the CEO. Okay. Now, thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. Good evening. And also to the members of the Portfolio Committee and also the DG and the team from the DSI. Thanks for the opportunity afforded to the NRF to also present the adjusted budget for 2020-21 and also to look at the impact that this adjusted budget will have on the delivery of our mandate, as well as the programs for this year. And Chair, just to add that uh, as we look into this presentation, it is important also just for the members to also appreciate and also have a better understanding 
or the principles which we which were uh, implemented or effected uh, in, in, in looking into the various uh, budget cuts. And with that, Chair, I would like to then request the CEO to take us through the presentation. Uh, thank you. CEO, over to you. Uh, Madam Chair and uh, an Honourable Chair and members of the uh, the committee, Honourable Members, uh, good evening. I, uh, with your permission, uh, Honourable Chair, I'll be, I have been instructed to be the one who does the presentation, so I'll try and be under 30 minutes. Uh, my colleagues will then answer the difficult questions, and I believe our chairperson has uh, agreed to take the most difficult question that will come later. Um, we prepared this presentation chair uh, in anticipation for the meeting of the 8th of July. Uh, so you will see that um, we talk about preliminary uh, allocations and um, there are still refinements that we have to make now that we have received recently the actual allocation letter. Uh, Chairperson, the context, I think, is all known to all of us in terms of the social and economic impact of uh, COVID-19. Um, our economy and the world economy has been significantly affected, if not severely affected. And, and all of us uh, have to find a creative way of pulling and getting uh, the wheel to the, sh uh, the shoulder to the wheel uh, to make sure that we support uh, our government in the various interventions uh, that need to be made. And, and science has an incredible role to play in this regard. Um, and part of what I would like to put up front is that uh, the science system has actually been working hand in glove uh, in response uh, to this particular pandemic. And a good example, uh, Chairperson, is the National Ventilator Project, where the National Research Foundation and the CSR as neighbor institutions and as colleagues in the science system have been working together. So the NRF through the South African Radio Astronomy Observatory has been doing the coordination of the project and while CSR has been leading us in the manufacture uh, of those ventilators. And I think it shows that when we do work together in synergy, we can actually deliver a lot more. Um, we presented to you, Chairperson, earlier uh, this year the, um, the approved APP and associated budget, and we did indicate that uh, it will have to be adjusted as we did anticipate there will be uh, necessity because of uh, the impact of COVID-19. Uh, as I said earlier, Chair, we have uh, graciously received from our colleagues in the DSI uh, informal and preliminary revisions to the allocation which enabled us to prepare this presentation. Um, and we will, after uh, this presentation, prepare, now that we have received the formal uh, allocation, prepare a, uh, a detailed revised budget, as well as the consequential uh, revisions to the APP, which will be presented to the board uh, next week on Wednesday uh, for their consideration and hopefully approval prior to submission to the minister for his consideration and approval and subsequent back to, um, to Parliament, uh, Chairperson. When we presented to you in the 19th of May, this was what the picture looked like. Um, the dark blue is the parliamentary grant allocation to the National Research Foundation for it to execute the mandate that it has been given in law. Um, the light blue 
uh, the contracts that the DSI uh, have requested uh, the National Research Foundation to enter into, um, as and then the green um, other contract income that we leverage from uh, other partners, uh, both here in the country and um, and beyond, and the and the red line is the is the total. The picture, as we did indicate um, uh, in May, Chairperson, was going to change, uh, and it was going to be a downward adjustment due to the economic impact of COVID-19. Chair, this is what we presented. We had anticipated a 10%, as um, our colleagues had indicated earlier, 10% reduction in, in the parliamentary grant. Um, and um, initially, we had uh, anticipated a reduction of 780 uh, million out of the 3.790 billion, uh, giving us a revised budget of just uh, just over 3 billion rand for the financial year 2020-2021. We did present to the uh, committee chairperson uh, a set of principles that inform the way in which we are approaching um, the reduction of our budgets to manage in a way that it not just merely fulfills the mandate of the organization, but in our view, Chair, um, it's important for us to make sure that we understand the importance of uh, resources being an investment in science and not as an expenditure. Uh, the, it, it becomes particularly important to make sure that that investment is in terms of current, the current capacity, but well as looking after future capacity which will be needed the next time round that we have. Uh, a, a major problem or we have other issues that we need to find solutions to. And, and therefore, we need to, in the choices that we make, protect uh, uh, this investment that we're making. And it's not an investment in money, it's an investment in people, it's an investment in the um, knowledge infrastructure, uh, the scientific infrastructure, and it is investment in cap capability and capacity more broadly. So what we have proposed, uh, uh, Chairperson, and I do believe our board in principle has supported this, that in support of our transformation agenda, budget cuts will not be implemented on active graduate internships, postgraduate student bursaries, postdoctoral fellows, and early and emerging career researchers. These are people who already hold a grant from us, have agreed to undertake work, have under, agreed to undertake uh, their studies, and we are saying we should not tamper with them. We should not take any money back or ask them to give us uh, any of the money that has been allocated to them. Mission critical projects and initiatives, um, whether it's, the, uh, it's in, in astronomy or in astrophysics uh, or in any other knowledge domain, should not and will not be affected to ensure the continued operation, not just of the National Research Foundation, but the sustainability of the research enterprise. There are some things, Chair, if you stop them, they become almost impossible to start again. And then the third issue is about um, international infrastructure agreements. Those commitments need to be honored. Um, and, and a good example is our commitment um, to the SKAO uh, organization of which we are a member of, but there are others as well. 
And that uh, last letter we said will um, apply differentially to active uh, grant awards uh, to establish researchers, including centers of excellence and, and uh, chairs. In addition to that chair, we did uh, indicate that there will be a number of cost containment measures that will be instituted. So programs focusing on mass, mass participation will not be implemented uh, or postponed. Local or international scientific conferences, uh, science festivals such as the National Science Week that we always hold every year, the National Science Olympiads will not happen this year. Mission critical infrastructure projects will be delayed to outer years and some initiatives will be postponed indefinitely or cancelled should the current um, trajectory of the fiscal situation uh, prevail in the uh, immediate future. Um, we have introduced a temporary moratorium on filling of all vacancies um, and, and clearly um, we need to reflect uh, on the impact of that into the future, not knowing what our uh, the fiscal budget will look like in the coming two or three or four years. Uh, and we are trying to do that while protecting where possible all active jobs, including instituting a review of cost of living adjustment in light of available resources. So we are wanting to make sure that we retain people, we retain good people because we will need them uh, as we go into the future. This is um, the preliminary uh, NRF budget for 2020-21 due to COVID-19 uh, coming out of the principles that we have adjusted. Um, so a 10% reduction to the parliamentary grant, uh, reduction in red of 96.6 million rand uh, with a new allocation. We'll come to what that money is used for in a few seconds. Uh, and then we have a range of uh, contracts between the National Research Foundation and the DSI, um, starting with the SKA uh, contract. 324 million rand has been uh, uh, shaved from the original allocation of 780. I'll come back to what that money is going to be used for and the impact thereof. Uh, likewise, with human resource development, 253 million. Uh, no adjustment to the research and uh, development infrastructure, adjustment downwards in science missions of 36.9 million, and a downward adjustment um, in the science engagement of 42 million, and the percentages are on the right-hand side. The baseline allocation of the parliamentary grant, as we uh, all call it, is more, in our case, used not just merely for salaries, Chair, it is to run the organization and is to uh, significantly advance the mandate of the organization. So we, we issue research grants from that, we issue bursaries from it, uh, we provide support to centers of excellence, uh, we maintain and, and grow the national infrastructure uh, of the organization. So it, it actually does sustain uh, the science system uh, more significantly than not. The application of all those cuts uh, presented in terms of uh, the different areas of the work of the organization. Uh, and, and I would like to focus particularly on research innovation support, the national research infrastructure engagement, uh, and, the, and, and the science missions of the National Science and Development Strategy. Uh, 
the column in red is obviously where the cuts are uh, and the percentage cuts uh, are on the right hand side. The established researcher grants will be a reduction of about 63 million. Emerging and early career research is 62 million. Student bursaries, you will see that because of the principle that we discussed earlier, uh, we will only have 16 million a reduction, and I'll explain how that came about. Likewise, with internships, 18 million. The research chairs, 75 million. Uh, um, uh, the science and technology agreements, uh, 10 million. Centers of Excellence, 45, and uh, and operations more broadly to sustain uh, this endeavor, an 8 million reduction. In the infrastructure, in the science, uh, uh, national research infrastructure, uh, the national research facilities, 18 million reduction. Um, global infrastructure, which includes the square kilometer array, the Southern African Large Telescope and others, 314 million. Uh, no adjustment with regard to equipment grants, uh, special projects um, such as South African uh, uh, roadmap, research infrastructure roadmap, uh, 10 million. And we suspended a number of uh, what we had thought were important and key um, CapEx projects uh, for the organization in this year that was uh, to the value of 25 million. Under science engagement, um, a reduction of 42 million, as I presented earlier, and uh, the bulk of which is going under science awareness uh, with the reduction of 34 million, education eight, and operations 200. Under science missions, the total of 36 uh, split in terms of uh, uh, global change, 16.9, uh, marine and Antarctic, 18, and, and astronomy. And, and the percentages chairperson are on the right hand side. And, and so what does this then mean um, in terms of the impact? With regard to students and interns, uh, chairperson, all of these were awarded on or before the 31st of January uh, this year. So we need, we have a principle which says that before the academic year starts, a student must have a bursary in their hand. It is incongruous for them to uh, be enrolled and not have a bursary uh, in hand. We did, however, uh, give the students up until 12th of June to accept our conditions, to accept uh, those bursaries, because sometimes we offer the student a bursary and they do not necessarily uh, accept it. And, and uh, we did that because uh, we moved the date to 12th June because of the uh, COVID uh, 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 impact on, on, on the higher education system. 40% of those students' bursaries that were awarded were not taken up by June 2020. And you may ask why. And I, the reason, Chairperson, is quite simple. The bursary values that we currently have and we are awarding are relatively modest compared to the value of bursaries that people can get, our students can get from other institutions. And that's partly why we have adjusted our um, uh, student diversity policy effective 2021. There will be extension funding that will be required for studies in 2021, particularly for honors, final year masters and uh, doctoral students that will be considered uh, from that money that we would have uh, uh, quote unquote saved from uh, those students that did not take those bursaries. 
And similarly, with regard to interns, we are only supporting continued interns in their second year of appointment, uh, other than the 28 new interns that were appointed at the DSI. Uh, those are the only ones that will be supported in 2020. So we did not have a general intake like we normally do of interns uh, in 2020. With regard to next year, um, uh, Chair, but uh, because some of the choices that we make need to be informed by what is coming, we do anticipate that 50% uh, uh, of those final masters and doctoral students will most likely require extended uh, support. And, and that's something that we need to cater for uh, going into the future. And, and part of that will most likely have an impact on the number of students that we will probably support uh, in 2021. The bursary uh, policy, we are hopeful, will result in more students accepting uh, our bursaries and improving the retention and throughput from honors through to doctoral uh, studies uh, over time. The potential impact on researchers, including centers of excellence and, and, and test. Let me start first with the early emerging researchers. Again, grant award for 2020 were made by December 2019 before the academic year started. And so any savings that will accrue from grants not taken up grant expenditure that could not be incurred as a result of COVID-19 pandemics, such as conferences, travel and training, will then uh, uh, lead to the savings, so to speak. However, we do need to be mindful that this will also uh, potentially have an impact on the projected completion times of the research projects and thus consequentially the research productivity uh, of the system as a whole. With the established researchers, similarly, uh, those grant and grant holders were given uh, their, their, their grants and uh, grant holder link bursaries in 2019 to ensure that everything is ready at the beginning of, 29, of 2020. So components of these grants, such as trips, laboratory costs, conferences, travel, training, that will not happen likely will result in savings, so to speak, but will also result in less research productivity. Uh, as well. So we need to be mindful of, uh, of the trade-off of both sides. Standalone research grants, by way of example, uh, the travel grants in 2020 will not be awarded, resulting in uh, at least 270 fewer travel grants because of the travel restrictions that my colleagues have already uh, made. And as we said earlier, as a general principle to affect uh, and balance uh, the, the challenge that is in front of us, we will have to apply a haircut um, to all uh, COEs and SARTI chairs. Otherwise, we will not be in a position to, uh, to make do. On research infrastructure, chairperson deferred uh, projects, uh, you recall that we deferred 25 million rand of expenditure, uh, renovation of buildings, some of the roofs are leaking, and we need to make sure that um, uh, infrastructure does not deteriorate. IT upgrades, renewal of uh, new um, renewable energy initiatives, um, and, and a whole range of projects that have had to um, be postponed uh, to to affect uh, the savings. The details of which there we have and we can provide should there be a need. Um, with the research uh, infrastructure. Uh, South African Research Infrastructure Roadmap. 
some of these funds will be uh, allocated to um, fulfill our commitment towards SALT, which is an international project. Uh, and the SKA uh, project is another one. And uh, we have the managing director of the South African Radio Astronomy Observatory, who's a member of the board of the SKA, uh, who's here. And I want to start by thanking Parliament for the ratification of the SKA Observatory Treaty, which happened on the 1st of June this year. And, and the budget cut that you see in there uh, will not have any negative effect on the SKA project. We've said this over and over and over again, because these funds were accumulated as a result of the delays in the international project itself. We did not have to actually pay this money over uh, to the SKO. Uh, however, we will continue to have to honor our commitments in 2021 and beyond as a member of the SKO and, and obviously as a host. And, and so that is something that we need to be mindful of in subsequent years. On science engagement, Chairperson, we have already indicated mass participation programs uh, have been canceled, postponed. Um, and, and obviously there has had to be a reduction uh, because the schooling system has also uh, been disrupted. Uh, there has been a significant adjustment to the school calendar, which also has had an impact on the science Olympiads and competitions, which were cancelled this year, uh, which affected overall learner and educator reach. Um, so a whole range of educator programs have also been affected by the delays in the school calendar. And the youth service has also been reduced, uh, affecting the number of unemployed graduates that will be taken up uh, in work programs. On the science mission chair, uh, the science mission uh, program, the grants that we allocate are generally to establish researchers. And this year in 2020, we decided no new awards will be made um, uh, in this initiative as cuts will be applied against funds not awarded uh, or not taken up. And similarly, the global change allocation uh, has enabled a, a significant saving through the uh, postponement or the cancellation of the Global Change Biennial Conference, uh, which is aimed at researchers and environmental study students from around the country. Um, and, and so again, we were able to, uh, to hold back uh, on that. And similarly, um, the balance of funds of factories of universities that were not taken up by the 12th of June will result uh, in the reduction of the number of masters across the science mission funded instruments. Person, this is what we presented to you in May uh, as the APP indicators and targets. There will be some which will clearly be in need of adjustment. And I will use an example of our uh, KPI of the proportion of investment in science engagement. Given the significant reduction, those percentages are likely to have to be adjusted in one form or another. Uh, we are unlikely to keep that 3.5%. Others, we will go back and re-look and confirm, but we are likely to keep those proportions uh, as they currently are. But this is a detail that we will be presenting to the board um, uh, next week. Just to, to, to give a little bit of uh, uh, addition, 
Um, with regard to the students, uh, we've already talked about that and the reduction with the researchers and the number of research grants that will be awarded uh, might, might impact on the transformation profile uh, of NRF-funded uh, researchers. Uh, although we say it will, uh, we will uh, be able to confirm that um, after we've done the detailed analysis. Research productivity will be negatively impacted due to the reduction and the productivity uh, that our research system has had to deal with uh, during the time of uh, COVID. Science engagement, we have already talked about the investment uh, target uh, and the transformed leadership and management. Temporary moratorium of vacancies uh, will have an impact on our ability to take advantage uh, of filling certain positions in a manner that we had uh, originally planned. Uh, but overheads, we are largely uh, going to try our best uh, through austerity measures to maintain uh, and manage our costs within the targets that we had originally uh, proposed. Chairperson, that is me. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, thank you very much, uh, CEO. Um, that was the presentation from Anna. NRF, I think uh, all three of you did well in terms of time. So some of our guests, when we say present in 30 minutes, the first 20 minutes they take on context, the approach and all of that. By the time they get to the issues, the time is up. But I think you did very, very well. Uh, so we've got sufficient time to engage with the presentations. Uh, and also in terms of the contents, I think we've got a better idea now as to what will be the impact of this uh, budget cuts on the two entities uh, and on the department. Uh, yeah, so I would like to thank you for that. Can we, can I get an indication from the members? would like to participate. Uh, I see Professor Bozoli. Uh, it looks like uh, Honorable Bozoli is the only one who would like to engage. Uh, Honorable Mukacho. Uh, Boshoff. Okay, I've got uh, three members for now. I don't see other hands. Let me see here. Honorable Mananiso. Okay. Honorable, uh, let's see. I've got five members for now. Uh, and Honorable Gietze. I've got six members. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's start with uh, Honorable Pozzoli. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much for the presentations. This was not a happy um, meeting. 
Um, this is these these cuts are very serious and very sad um, because it looks as though the science system is going to be damaged by them in quite fundamental ways. And the concern I think for all of us should be how long term are the effects of the of the cuts going to be? Um, <clears throat> for example. If you're cutting students, and the, the department mentions about nearly 5,000 students will not be funded, from what I can work out, um, that is a lot of postgraduate students' careers um, not happening. And when it came to the Department of Higher Education, um, <clears throat> everyone was very, very clear that they did not want to cut student funding. Now we have these, this department and we find that they have no choice but to cut student funding. It, it, and postgraduate students are always sort of treated as second class citizens, I think. Um, their funding is not given nearly as much consideration as the funding of, of uh, undergraduate students. So to me, this is an extremely serious matter as is the cutting of all the various projects that are that are not going to happen. So my overall question to the department is, how sure are you that the long-term effects of all of these cuts can be managed and will not damage the uh, science system and, and the lives of students fundamentally? I mean, if you're a new postgraduate student, say just coming out of your third year, you're going into your honours year or your master's year, yeah. um, that starts next year in February, March, sometime around there, and you find that there is no funding for you because th these cuts will last until March. What do you do? You, you have to drop out and you'll probably never go back to being a student. So I find that this is a very serious matter. Plus, we don't know from the presentations as a whole yet how many students are really going to be affected because the calculations the department gives are very much based on, you know, they're, they're hypothetical in a way. And, and when you look at the NRF presentation, we see that there are many, many cases where students will be affected, but they haven't yet been counted. For example, in the Centres of Excellence and the CHAIRS project. And in the CSIR, I would guess that every project that is being cancelled will affect students. So um, could we have from the department a much more careful calculation of the assumed number of students that is going to be affected by these cuts? Because I think that the, um, the committee really should object to this and, um, and, and, and we should express our disappointment that the science system is being treated so badly. Um, and if you think where this money is going, all right, some of this money will be going to good causes, such as the health system or social development, but some of it is going to the police and the army. So in order to fund the police and the army, we are cutting our, our precious science system um, back very, very severely. As far as the, so that's my first question, please could we have a detailed breakdown of the numbers of students? My second question is, um, what, what will the effect of the cutbacks on your laser, titanium, robotics, 
aerospace and all of those kinds of projects be? Will they again be able to be rescued uh, from the cuts? Or are, are those cuts going to have severe long-term effects? Second question of the CSIR is, um, I'm, I'm not sure why you mentioned or you kind of modelled a 40% cut in the parliamentary grant, as though that was a possibility. Can you please explain where you got the idea from that that might be a possibility? Because that's extremely worrying if that 40% is floating around as a possible cut. So um, please, could you clarify that? Just to congratulate the CSR on their amazing COVID work, and I see you've been doing a lot of the predictive modeling of the of the um, disease. Could we please see the modeling and have copies of your uh, of your modeling? Because we 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 would be very interested to see what the modeling says about the disease and where it's going. Um, and then for the NRF, um, really, as the former chair of the NRF, I find it very sad that it's it's going through these cuts. Um, the, um, the, the, each project within the NRF is unbelievably precious and is regarded as such by people in universities, by students, by staff, by anyone who is serious about universities. And to see all of these projects being cut quite seriously um, is, is, an, is a huge concern. Um, because I do think those cuts are going to have a long-term effect. I do not think these are short-term things that are just going to bounce back next year. So I was wondering what guarantee you have from Treasury that once these cuts are finished and done with, what guarantee do you have that the long-term, that, that, that they aren't going to remain or that the, the Treasury won't come to you and say, well, you managed without that money last year. You've got to manage without it again next year. We do need to get some guarantee from Treasury. This is not a long-term um, problem. And, and, and if the committee can help in any way, I do think we should. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Pozoli. Honorable Mukacho. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Am I audible? Yeah, we can hear you. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, one must um, begin by thanking all the presenters for their presentations. Um, I am very concerned uh, with regards to the cuts that have been made under research and development, um, which was program four, um, particularly because, um, you know, one that's that that's a space of which we um there there are targets that are supposed to be made by particular time frames and one is concerned about the ability for us to meet those targets within the time frames that have been set um and one also hopes that there has been a substantial consideration made um for research and development that will be required in addressing and managing covid nineteen um one must also then welcome the COVID-19 interventions that will be addressing or managing the COVID-19 pandemic as highlighted on slide 11. Um, that, that would be from uh, the department presentation, particularly when it speaks to indigenous knowledge systems um, in terms of remedies for COVID-19, as well as the um, African rapid response 
or the funds that are going towards the African Rapid Response. Chair, one would like to indicate a concern um, with regards to South Africa's obligations to various multilateral and international agreements. Will the adjustments or cuts um, uh, perhaps prohibit us from fulfilling our commitments with that regard? Uh, for example, in the case of the SKO Observatory Agreement. Um, and then when it comes to CSIR, I think I truly want to um, indicate one my appreciation or our appreciation um, for the ability for the CSIR to clearly outline how um, uh, the budget uh, cuts or amendments or sorry adjustments uh, have an impact each particular program or operational area. I think it, it, it was very clear and it was um, it was it was comprehensible, you know, for for one to go through. Um, but Chair, from all these presentations, um, I'm extremely concerned about the ability for entities to recover from these cuts. Um, I think um, my colleague uh, who spoke before me has already alluded to this, and the ability for the sector at large um, or our department and its entities to recover from this in the long run. Um, and also showing concern, which would be informed by the CSIR's presentation on the possible retrenchment in the future, perhaps not now, um, perhaps not in this particular year, uh, financial year, but the financial year to come, particular retrench, or even, you know, we don't know what's going to happen towards, towards next year. We're, we're, we're in a very unpredictable terrain and environment, and um, things are forever changing. So one is very concerned about any particular retrenchment that would come out of that. Um, and I think it's what I'm about to say might sound so um, illogical, um, but um, I'm noting that there will be a cut, a, a cut back on com science communication or um, conferences or that kind of um, work. I think, Chair, it remains important for there to be some sort of conversation or communication that comes out of um, the department and its entities. Um, even if we're not having physical uh, conferences, but I think it's important that there be webinars or cyber chat or anything that's within, you know, um, doable measures um, to ensure that all the hard work that has been done by the department and its entities to bring about um, what's the word, uh, 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 to bring about awareness, there you go, to bring about awareness on what is happening in the sciences is not regret. Um, and I think it's, I, I, I feel like I'm illogical because I'm saying, you know, we must communicate to young people out there using radio, using television stations or, or broadcasters um, to say this is what happens in the sciences and maybe we can even relate it to work that is currently being done in the sciences um, um, relating to COVID to draw more young people into the space, but I, I find I feel that I'm 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 it's illogical to say what I'm saying um, in light of the fact that there's so, such huge cuts when it comes to funding bursaries in the space. But Chair, look, I, I don't have I don't have questions particularly to the department and its entities, but perhaps one would just want to reiterate um, various concerns that they have when looking at. Um, at, at, at the presentations that have been made with regards to the adjustments to the budget of the department and its entities. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mr. Uh, Honorable Borshoff. 
Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I, I want to commend uh, all three presentations because I think it was extremely bad news told uh, particularly well. Um, and if I could uh, summarize all of it, it seemed to me like uh, uh, if, if the whole science ecosystem uh, within the state um, influence sphere was a, was a farming enterprise, then they decided this year we are not going to tend to the fences, we are not going to grade the roads, we are not going to doze the sheep, we are going to uh, uh, to save on any everything which is not essential, and then we'll hope we'll still be in business next year. I think what we see is actually what happens if the economy comes to a standstill. Some people thought of it as something which just... Uh, you know, impacts on large businesses and uh, monopoly capital and stuff. But it's the it's the the everyday reality of ordinary people like students and like scientists, um, which is influenced. What I would, uh, just as a matter of jest, and one should not say you are going to tell a joke, but sometimes one has to, otherwise somebody might might take you uh, seriously. But uh, I always thought the CSIR is a mon money laundering scheme, and now I um, I witnessed that uh, that they will launder the money, uh, the notes. Um, but I my specific question I want to ask. I see uh, Dr. Rob Adam is. Uh, available tonight. What is the exact impact on the SKA of a 41% um, cut? I didn't quite understand the, um, uh, the, present, the presentation said something like these accumulated funds and therefore none of the critical uh, expenditure needs to be cut or something, but I mean 41%, one, one needs to cut very much to say 41%. And what I'm particularly concerned about is, as usual, the communities around that area, because the economic activity of farming has been greatly reduced. We've mentioned that. And the promise was, but there's going to be such an influx of money in the uh, operations of the SKA. And I just want to make sure that that is not negatively impacted. Maybe Dr. Uh, Adam can, uh, can, can enlighten us on that. And then I just want to add my little bit of pessimism that next year is not going to be a better year for this uh, department with a 7% downward uh, growth. Um, nothing's going to get better. Uh, so, well, what shall we say about that? It's a, it's a great pity. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you very much. Don't be a pessimist, uh, Dr. Borshoff. Uh, let's hope for the best. Honorable Mananiso. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Let me start by welcoming all the presentations. And one would start with CSIR with, with regards to the what they have alluded in terms of uh, non-critical vacancies. I just want them to explain to me for, for example, they must give example what kind of uh, are those particular vacancies. And on the issues of uh, the cuts with regards to the impact of COVID-19, I think I'm partly covered on what uh, Ulo has said and uh, Honorable Bazoli. However, one wants to say that uh, in terms of COVID-19, we have learned that uh, science and technology, it is our solution to the problems or challenges. 
However, I, I need as well uh, some explanation with regards to page five of the NRF on the issue that they have alluded that they do, they're not going to have budget cut on supporting programs. And I just need specific in terms of total numbers per their programs, how many people will benefit. And Chairperson, I have a question for Ms. Bia because of she has problem with connectivity. Ms. Bia is asking what is the criteria that is being used to reduce as the, the, the beneficiaries of students. Lastly, Chairperson, mine is on NRF again. I want to to echo the same sentiment uh, like Ulo said. There are other programs that can be done uh, to replace the National Sense Week and National Olympics. So I just want to check with the department what are other alternatives that they can do rather than scripting off the programs and, not, and then they don't do anything. So that one will uh, actually uh, rob us what we know as best program from the uh, CSIR and NRF. Lastly, Chairperson, yesterday I, I've asked the question uh, before, uh, I've asked yet the question with regards to gender-based violence programs or any uh, 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 solutions that they have, as previously they've uh, uh, presented on uh, programs that they are having with regards to responding to GBV. I want to check as well with this, this unit that is there any programs perhaps that they would have with regards to responding to GBV, because of GBV has been uh, declared as a pandemic. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay, thank you very much, Honorable Naniso. Uh, the Science Week, I missed it uh, last year, and I know that you attended it, and uh, the review was quite excellent. So I'm sure you are, you are speaking from a very uh, subjective, but very passionate view about having attended the Science Week. Uh, <clears throat> thank you very much, Honorable Mananiso. Uh, Honorable Letzia. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, my network keeps on cutting. So if it does, um, uh, please let me know. Um, let me also join the chorus of uh, welcoming the reports. I think um, uh, that the department is doing extremely well generally since the beginning of the sixth parliament. At least we can account for that. Uh, they've done extremely well. They've done well in uh, maintaining uh, their targets. They've done well in accounting for the budget that they've been given. Um, and, and their presentations are, uh, are not vague, are always on point, and I want to congratulate them on that. <clears throat> uh, to the DG, I just wanted to check, DG, was there any work um, uh, put into motivating uh, to Treasury why the department can't be classified as essential service department and um, so that it does not get the 20% the proposal of budget cuts. I'm asking this because of the work the department is doing on the COVID case, on the COVID issue. Um, also on the fact that we have, um, we're in a period where we believe um, the fourth industrial revolution is part of us, will be part of us for some time. 
and uh, that is your work. That is the work that you do. Was there any work uh, put uh, to motivating, uh, to treasury why we can't be classified, why the department can't be classified as an essential service department? <coughs> um, I think on the, on the budget cut also, I would also like to check um, in the department whilst you are doing the the motivation there was there um, a talk that spoke to um, you guys and not to treasure this time but to the department itself that the entities should be exempted from a budget cuts um, on the basis that one uh, even last year uh, in July when we were doing the budget we did say that uh, we believe that the uh, the department is under um, underfunded, uh, and we should look at ways of improving that. Was there any work in that uh, in that space? And Chairperson, uh, before maybe we deal with ATC on Friday or adopting the report on before Friday, is there any work that we can do uh, to persuade the department uh, from cutting? budget, already cut budget of these entities and this specific uh, department. On CSIR, um, I would also like to congratulate, I mean, CSIR, we went to them earlier this year, um, and I, uh, including Dr. Boshoff, everybody was uh, very happy with the work uh, done there uh, um, at the department. And I would also like to congratulate them. Um, um, on on their participation on the um, the development of a vaccine, yeah, I saw a statement the other day that uh, we, we are taking part there, and I know it's 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 us through CSIR on the on the on the development of this thing. Uh, just one question: um, Are we utilizing the services of BioVet um, in this thing, and, and what? Um, support can we give directly to BioVac uh, as a vaccine entity of some sort, um, you know, uh, to capacitate them enough so that next time when we have uh, an outbreak of this, this nature, worse or better, uh, we at least we have capacity in the country to deal with such. On NRF, um, I saw a very disturbing slide there that will do a cut on funding of postgraduate students. And I know uh, I got cut off when um, Professor Bozolo was speaking about it. Uh, I heard uh, uh, Honorable Mkashwa speaking about it, and I also want to add my voice on this. I don't think uh, it's good that um, we are cutting on, on, on funding, on especially given um, the, the skills level we have in this country. Um, so I think maybe if there's anything, we, we must look at other things. If it means uh, NRF must be exempted, Chairperson, the point I made earlier, uh, maybe we must work uh, um, in, in, on, on, that, on that point. The last part, um, <clears throat> just a general comment. Uh, that 
Um, yesterday, when we were dealing with the higher education, um, they made in, in, in their presentation, even though I was also being cut off and on, uh, they also made mention that they, are, they have avoided at all costs from funding students. Is there anything, uh, Chairperson, that we can do between today and maybe Friday uh, that, uh, you know, we can mitigate against cutting off of uh, postgraduate funding because I think uh, this will have a negative, devastating effect in the long run. Maybe not this financial year, maybe not, not the next one, but uh, in the in the foreseeable future, we're likely to see the effects of us having uh, cut the, the postgraduate funding in this country. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Uh... Honorable Gates, can Honorable Lizier, can we like get the last honorable member Gates? Uh, honorable Gates, are you still around? Yeah, Chairperson is of yeah. the reason why I'm trying to make my point. I mean, it can't be all. Like now, when you are just calling Honorable Gates, the electricity just go off. I mean, really. But I'm going to I'm sorry. I'm start from the end where Honorable Gates ended. Sorry? Chairperson. for that. Okay, there's no problem. Now, as I have said, I would will, I will like to begin uh from when they have left off right about the effectiveness of having this kind of uh, engagements how important they are having them in this kind of a platform i mean i think uh, we 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 are not doing justice to very important discussions that need our undivided attention now we must deal with all this load and and all that. Yesterday, I couldn't make or the EFF couldn't put their contributions in the discussions yesterday. And as a result, it looks like we're competent in the eyes of our people out there. They are watching. And every time when we have to enter, we are managed like that. But uh, let me go straight to the reports. I, I think we all agree that we are living under uncertain times. And no one can be able to predict what will happen tomorrow or, or, or even next year. And to other members without being repetitive, I think it is very important to allow the cutting of funding of research and development. As I have mentioned, the importance of about finding solutions on the vaccine. I think that is where we are starting to do Hey, connection is quite bad. The research and the research capacity that should not only focus on that. There are a lot of areas that we need to focus on. For instance, surely. And and uh, chair, I can't be heard. 
No, no, uh, the connection is quite bad. The, the line is, is not very good. What about now? I'm yeah. right here. No, yeah, maybe switch off the, the camera. Okay, all right. Now, I was on that issue of budget cuts. I mean, we were just re-emphasizing the fact that it's not all about, you know, developing capacity of, you know, researching about these vaccines and how they will help our people. No, no. As we agree, and the World uh, Health Organization do agree that uh, we will have to change the way of living. And if we abandon the most significant part of research in terms of what happens from now, I mean, things are with the capacity from the department to ensure that uh, we meet the standard of that particular normal that will reach at a certain stage that we are not sure of, even uh, uh, me and you. Now, you also look at how we, you know, look at look at our priorities. There is there's too much money spent on unnecessary things that are going to put our people in danger. For instance, schools. People are in school. People are going to school. Children are going to school. The, the, the funds are being rechanneled to go and benefit tenderpreneurs to sanitize schools, while money is being taken away from this uh, important aspect that we have always been mentioned. I mean, we, we, we can't always be speaking about the same thing over and over again. And maybe we'll start uh, waking up at a very later stage when this coronavirus has already made significant impact and maybe taken a lot of our people, even those that are very close to us. That's when we we on how our tourism industry is going to look like, on how our education content will look like moving forward, because some of these some of these things might not be necessary uh, uh, moving forward. These uh, 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 other things that we normally go to school to study for, right? I don't want to repeat too much, Chairperson. I, I understand that uh, some of the members have touched on the indigenous knowledge system, and it, it falls under this research capacity that we thought. Uh, the department will prioritize this aspect and the government itself too. I mean, how does, how, uh, what kind of government it is? I mean, just to neglect important uh, uh, issues like, like this one. I think, let me leave it there, Chair. This, this, this load shedding is making me All right. Um, yeah, the, your line is quite bad. Uh, Honorable guests, but we understand it's load shedding. Uh, you can be rest assured you are not being managed by myself. Uh, not yesterday, not today. I really would want to hear your views, but we are all being managed by ESCOM. <clears throat> it is ESCOM that decides on this load shedding, and it's, it's quite terrible. Like I said yesterday, I mean, uh, we work on virtual platforms and we require electricity to do that. And if ESCOM is not able to provide it, then disrupt our work. Uh, I'm told very soon on my side, the uh, power will be going, there will be load shedding. So if I, I get disconnected, please just uh, know that it is load shedding. But otherwise, uh, back to the issues, 
I think one a consistent point that members are raising uh, is to express a concern about the funding of uh, the Department of Science and Innovation and in all its entities, uh, the science uh, institutes. I think members have expressed themselves quite uh, quite clearly about this thing and it's a view that I also share that as it is now the department is not a, <clears throat> is the least funded of all the departments uh, well except the department of tourism but as you if you check uh, all the departments the department of science and innovation does not receive the the funding from the fiscals that it should be receiving. Now, when you uh, look at these cards, uh, the department should not have been one of the departments that was supposed to be targeted, given the kind of work that uh, its entities are doing, the NRF, uh, uh, <clears throat> So the CSIR, the kind of very good work that uh, CSIR is doing in response to fighting this pandemic. So I think it's a collective view of the committee that uh, the funding uh, to the department, uh, it's quite, uh, <clears throat> it's not sufficient and the uh, national treasury should not have uh, identified the department as one of those to be uh, to have budget cuts honorable let's see ask a question that what is it that we can do before we finalize our report uh, i'm afraid not much that we can do honorable let's see because the system as it is structured currently, uh, <clears throat> you know, is such that uh, whatever budget that gets tabled by the Minister of Finance in Parliament, it's something that uh, we, as Parliament, we, we, we just approve. Now, we, there is a law that has been introduced which allows us to make some changes, but we have not really exercised that option. And I don't think that we will uh, be able to do that given the onerous processes that has to be followed in changing the, the budget that has been tabled by the minister. I think what we can do is just to express and make it a recommendation in our in our report that will be tabling um, on the ATC and that will be discussed in Parliament. But uh, I think most of the questions have been raised by the members. I also wanted to understand, like uh, Honorable Boshoff, the 41% cut uh, on the SKA, what impact is that going to have? Uh, the CEO was saying that there's been an accumulated funding. So it's not going to have much impact, but 41% is quite 
it's quite substantial. So can we just get some uh, assurance that uh, it's not going to have that much of an impact? But otherwise, my most members, I think, raised the questions that I also had. <clears throat> Uh, just to emphasize that, you know, but I sh I'm sure that I can always come back when when we've answered the specific questions. Okay, can we can we start with the department, uh, get to the CSIR, and then lastly NRF? We still have sufficient time to get the responses. DG. Yes, uh, thanks very much, uh, Chair. Uh, so I'll, I'll pick up those that I thought were fairly uh, direct to, uh, to the Department of Science and Innovation. I may ask um, Dan if he's on the line uh, to respond uh, to the question asked by Honorable Mukhatra on um, multilateral agreements. Uh, broadly, and I assume Rob will then and Dr. Cabela from the NRF respond on the SKA specific. We can just touch on it uh, briefly. Um, so on the issue of uh, Professor Pozzoli, Honorable Pozzoli, um, yes, I would be more than happy to come back to the portfolio committee to look at the total a number of students who are affected because the letters were finalized uh, this week uh, after we got our allocation letter from Treasury. And as you heard from a number of uh, entities, they're still going to get board approvals on their side. And the numbers that are on our APP, of course, are also uh, dependent on uh, the um, entities and how they themselves uh, manage those cards. So if there are inconsistencies at this point in time, uh, it's 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 a very good observation, but we should allow the entities and their boards to reconcile. And then if the chairperson is agreeable, we can then agree on the time uh, to then bring uh, the total number of students that are affected. Because it's not only those that are funded by the parliamentary grant, but those that are funded in programs, uh, such as the ones that we saw in the mining precinct, uh, some work that we're doing, and of course, with many, many, many others in the entity. So we would be happy to do that. And I would leave the CSR then to respond to the uh, laser uh, titanium robotics, as well as the, um, the, the, the intelligence of 40% potential parliamentary grant. And if I then move to Honorable Mkachwa, um, yes, uh, we don't think uh, that uh, we would have uh, to not meet our multilateral agreements. Uh, even today at the SKA meeting, members meeting, we were able to indicate that we would meet our obligation for this year overlapping up to next year. Uh, but uh, the conversations that we've had with Treasury in relation to the SKA, the understanding at this point is that the monies that were 
uh, taken away will be returned in the outer year, so the next financial year and the outer year. So that's the gentleman's agreement. Of course, it's not written down, but that's how we understand it. But for now, we don't anticipate huge um, uh, uh, inability or not being able to meet these uh, agreements broadly, and this one for the SK in particular for now. And then the point that uh, Honorable Mkachwa raised around science communication, we agree with you. And there are a number of uh, instruments that we are trying to try and communicate even in these difficult circumstances. The two ministers of uh, science and innovation and the minister of health have, for instance, agreed to have a, a webinar uh, where a, a conference in the webinar on uh, the contribution by research into uh, COVID uh, in South Africa, uh, how research and the NSI has responded in, in support of uh, the work that the Department of Health has had to do. So we're continuously looking for opportunities where we do this. But yes, of course, for specifically for students, maybe not so much, uh, but I'm sure the NRF has uh, some ideas of being innovative around this. And Dr. Adam, perhaps, as I say, will respond to the SKA, especially in, in, in relation to how it affects the communities in the area. And then uh, if I move to Honorable Mananiso and the point that you've raised around gender-based violence, uh, I don't think we have anything specific in the department that I can think of, but I suspect that uh, the best entity that would be able to respond to that would be the Human Sciences Research Council. So if the chair agrees, this is a question that we would like to reflect on and come back to the committee uh, on. And then Honorable Letzia, uh, the question that you posed or the comment of motivating to be an essential service to National Treasury, Yes, we did. Um, all departments, uh, we, we are classified in an economic services uh, group of departments. We did indicate uh, that we don't think uh, cuts should be effected to ourselves and the entities, but they indicated they need cash. And we were faced with an option of either we uh, do this in a way that would uh, minimize impact or they would do it for us. And we thought that it would be better for us to try and see how best we can do this without really having the long-term impact of the work that we do. So attempts, yes, were made, uh, but uh, we didn't win the battle. In fact, uh, they reminded us that other departments would be cut at more than 20%. So in a sense, accepting that we are lucky with 20%. The battle that we won, as the CFO indicated, was a battle of uh, saying the 324 million that was already reprioritized for COVID-related could be included as part of the 20%. And we indicated some of the work that at least for now we've done, but we continuously look for the NSI's contribution uh, to, to COVID. And then on BioVec, yes, uh, there are discussions that are already happening around how should we prepare the um, BioVec uh, to support and capacitate them to manufacture. A vaccine for COVID if it, it, if it is found. And we have been contacted by the World Health Organization and other um, vaccine manufacturers uh, whether uh, we have the space we are preparing uh, to be the manufacturer of the vaccine, especially for the rest of the continent. And that work is in progress. And we think we are prepared uh, to take the challenge when the vaccine has been found.
And then um, the point, uh, as you indicated, Chair, raised by Honorable Kiesa, we agree uh, that generally um, the funding that we receive is 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 is, is less than ideal, uh, but we try and do the best with what we with what we have, and we really would appreciate the committee uh, using whatever platforms that you have at your disposal also to raise these issues. Um, uh, but we also try and fight where we can. Uh, I do, however, like to, in my last comment, to say that uh, we all have an opportunity to think creatively around the budgets, because um, as we have heard from the Minister of Finance, that uh, we will all have to do zero-based budgeting. So I think we've got a couple of months to think creatively around uh, how are we going to do this in times that are uncertain uh, to make sure that we minimize the long-term impacts on the overall budget? As we indicated, it's never easy to try and balance because sometimes even if you say you don't want to cut budget on students, and we all agree on that, but if you don't have researchers to train these students uh, because they have also been cut, you will not be able to uh, to train the postgraduate students but I, I'm, I'm making a point that the zero-based budgeting that we have to do probably offers us some opportunity to think creatively around some of the immediate challenges that we all anticipate in the next year or two uh, whilst COVID is with us. Thanks, Chair. I'm happy to hand over to the CSR. Okay, thank you very much, DG. Uh, CSIR. No, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, so some of the questions have been addressed by the DG, but I'll speak to those which are specific to the CSIR. The first one is around whether the projects that are being cut by the CSIR um, would have any impact in terms of students. I think a number of them, yes, they would have an impact in terms of the number of students within the system. For instance, we are cutting our bursary program, so there's a direct impact there. Can we see you, or do you have got a problem with the... I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm in the dark. I've load shading here, so... Okay. My, can you see me now? I've got a light right in front of my face. So, so yes, there will definitely be an impact. I think the examples I gave, our bursary program, our, our rental pool program, the African Laser Center, but even some of the research and development programs where there are students that are involved, uh, I think there will definitely be an impact. We will sub we'll supply these numbers to the DSI to consolidate and to provide a, a response, a comprehensive response to the portfolio committee. In terms of the impact on the reduction in budget, on, for instance, the, the laser programs, the titanium center of competence and so forth, fortunately these programs um, will still have some, some funding available to them. So it's a reduction in funding. Uh, so there will definitely be delays in terms of the delivery and the execution of the programs, as well as ensuring that we have sufficient capacity. Our view is that um, in the long term, uh, this can be addressed um, in terms of ensuring that uh, in future, we can um, uh, and, and bring them back to the right level of funding for us to be able to get back to where we ought to be with regard to the execution of these programs. So it's not a situation of uh, they will be completely lost from the system because they will continue at a lower level of funding. 
with regards to the question on predictive modeling, um, certainly we can provide the, the, this, uh, this report to the portfolio committee. It would be very glad to even engage with the portfolio committee in terms of some of the work that we've done in this regard in a much more detailed manner. We welcome the comments by uh, Honorable Mukhaitwa um, around the work that we have done. Then on the issue of retrenchments, uh, I think I can see a question here. I cannot see very clearly because of the load shedding. The 40% in the compared to the 40% example that we gave. So here, uh, we started with this work of doing scenario analysis on the impact of COVID on the CSR very early on, around April, in fact, in preparation for a board discussion that we had in May. So at that time, we didn't know what the exact uh, percentage reduction our preliminary plan was going to be. So we, 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 in our scenario analysis, we had a 10%, 20%, and a 40% cut. So I think for this discussion, it's actually a moot point to look at the 40%, because as I said, it was part of very early work that we did in terms of scenario analysis. I think the engagement we've had with the Department of Science and Innovation, um, this matter hasn't come up, and we don't expect that this, this, will, be, this will be the case. Then we put this in as part of the very early work that we did in terms of the scenario analysis, as I've, as I've indicated. The issue of retrenchments, um, although we don't see this happening now, uh, I think if, this is, if the cuts that we are seeing uh, become the trend in terms of what one will be experiencing going forward, I think we might reach a point where we have to consider this as an issue that uh, we we'll need to look at to ensure that we can we can sustain the organization going forward. Particularly because I mean, for an organization like the CSIR, 75% of our costs is related to uh, to human resources because we're a knowledge-based organization. And so we will need to look into that uh, if, if, if the situation continues into the future. Uh, the issue around non-critical vacancies, I think this was raised within the context of the, the core business of the CSR. So when we talk about critical and non-critical vacancies, and the critical vacancies are those vacancies which we consider to be part of the, the core business of the CSR. So this is the science, engineering, and technology base of the organization. So those will be considered critical within the, within the organization. But even within that, there could be junior positions which uh, we create to create an opportunity for, for training for young people, as well as senior positions that are necessary for us to deliver on critical projects and, and, and contracts that we have within the, within the CSR. So even within the set base, there is a grading that one can apply in terms of the criticality of the position to the, to the core business. But at a broad level, you know, we, we are talking about um, uh, uh, critical positions in set, um, and then we have non-critical positions where in the support functions in particular. For instance, to give an example, we employ people who are boardroom assistants or people who are personal assistants. Now, those positions, even though they are important, they are not considered critical because you can make arrangements in terms of how those roles can be fulfilled through uh, acting arrangements and so on and so forth. So that is the basis of the differentiation between critical and non-critical positions. And the point that we are making is that we are carefully looking at all the vacancies we have in the organization and delaying the appointment of those positions that we consider to be non-critical that we can do with in the short term without having to fill uh, in those particular positions. I think those were all the questions that were related to the CSR chairperson. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Okay, thank okay. you. And just switch off your mic. Okay, thank you very much, um, uh, CEO. Chair, uh, you don't want to add the chair of the board of CSIR? Yes, uh, Chair, thank you very much. I, I think the CEO has uh, summed it up very well. There's just one question perhaps that the CEO ought to respond to. Uh, the one on BioVac, whether BioVac is involved in this, that question came from Honorable Letia. Okay. No, no, thank you very much for the reminder, uh, Chairperson. Uh, I was going to pick it back on the response by the DG, um, but maybe I can ask my colleague, Dr. Rachel Chukwamba, to, to speak to some of the interactions that we've had with, uh, with BioVac. Uh, Rachel? Thank you very much, CEO. I think uh, suffice it to say what the DG said is correct, which is that in all our projects, we've responded as a system, looking into the role that each part of the system plays in contributing to whatever solution we are developing. So in the context of vaccine development, much as we're doing product development and early stages of that work, we expect to leverage the capabilities of BioVac in terms of their ability to break down bulk drug substance, finish, polish and distribute, but also in putting together consortia and international partnerships, that capability is also discussed. So we engage on these matters, whether it is early R&D, the downstream part of it is undertaken by them, whether it is putting consortia in place, we recognize the capability that the BioVac has, and we include them in consortia to play the particular role that plays to their strengths as it is. And DG did mention their expanding capabilities on actual manufacture when it comes to vaccine production. So I have nothing much more to add. Okay, thank you very much. Can we go to, um, to NRF? Maybe let's start with the chair and then she will hand over to the CEO. Yes. Now, thank you very much, Honorable Chair and the members of the committee for the engagement. And uh, I think in terms of how we're going to organize ourselves uh, in responding to the various questions addressed specifically to NRF, the first came from our Honorable Pozzoli in terms of the long-term effect on, on the budget cuts as well as the guarantee from National Treasury. And I'll request the CEO as well as the CFO to take us through that. And then, of course, um, uh, the one on the SKA, the 41% budget cut, uh, Dr. Rob Adams will also engage on that particular one to clarify in terms of, you know, how uh, these uh, cuts uh, have been uh, done or implemented and why in terms of the international commitments, we are still uh, committing to that. And then on the consideration uh, on the active students, bursaries, uh, Dr. Pillay and the CEO will also uh, take uh, the members through what is it that we have put in place for the active uh, uh, students, uh, the bursaries that are currently being active. And then also lastly, on the question from Honorable Mananiso uh, regarding the innovative alternatives, uh, instead of cancelling the science engagement programs, especially the science week, and that we must, we must have alternative programs uh, Dr. Beverly uh, Damanso, who is in charge of those programs, will also explain, you know, what are the considerations uh, uh, in terms of the science engagement programs. Thank you, Chair, and over to CEO and the CFO. 
CEO. Uh, Honourable Chair, thank you. Um, I, I've done a lot of talking, so with your permission, uh, let me ask my colleague, Mr. Singh, to talk to uh, the whether or not National Treasury ever gives guarantees, Chairperson. Okay. Uh, thank you, Honourable Members and Chairperson. I think the CEO has just answered that. Uh, I think it's it's very unlikely that in this uncertain times that uh, National Treasury will give guarantees uh, at, at this point in time. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, sh we have no indication yet of any of the outer years, uh, any of the outer two years of our uh, MTF allocation. So, Chair, the long and short of it is uh, answer is no, we don't have any guarantees. Neither do we have confirmation of the two outer years uh, of the MTF allocation in terms of our planning uh, going forward. So we have to make some assumptions, which is something that we have responsibly started to do, uh, and we will be deliberating further on uh, on that in the in the coming week in terms of um, how we wish to deal with the outer years of the uh, MTF allocation. So the answer at this point uh, is no guarantees. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Uh, what else has to come? Person, uh, the, the next one would be Dr. Rob Adam, uh, and, and uh, maybe if necessary, Dr. Clifford Romani, uh, to talk to the issue of uh, our international commitments as well as the explaining uh, the fact that the cut to the SKA budget will not have an any negative implications to the project. Uh, uh, Chair and, and uh, CEO, I hope everyone can hear me and, and good evening. Um, yes, uh, let me just give some historical context to the reason that we would we had this money in the first place. The, the international treaty was signed in March 2019 for the formation of the SKA Observatory. However, that had to be ratified as as was done in the South African Parliament by, and as recommended by this very committee in each of the member countries. That process has been going on. It was originally expected to have finished this month in July uh, and as a result of that we were supposed to have a meeting, the very first meeting of the Observatory Council was due was scheduled for July. However, that's obviously not going to happen. And at this stage, the estimate is probably early in the new year will be the earliest that that could happen. Now, how does this affect the budget? Well, each country has to has to pay in an agreed amount to fund the construction of the telescope. And we were we had budgeted by agreement with DSI and National Treasury to pay over the bulk of the money that's been cut in the current financial year to help fund the construction. Of course, ultimately the money comes back into South Africa by and large to, to South African companies because there's this principle of fair work return. And so that it's South African money that, that funds South African companies ultimately. But nevertheless, we have to pay that into the central kitty uh, for the for this to be implemented. And so, effectively, 
The reason that we could, without any impunity and effect on the project, agree to part with the money was because actually we don't need it this year. We'll need it next year. There, of course, well, it, that probably amounts to about 80% of the cut. Uh, there's some other projects, for example, attached to uh, infrastructure for the Meerkat extension that will be slowed down a bit. Uh, contracts were due to be placed uh, towards the end of this financial year. We won't be able to place the contracts. So, you know, re really what it boils down to is that because of COVID, the whole SK project is slowed down by probably nine months. Now, does that have any effect on, on going to the question asked by Honorable Boshoff, the communities in the Karoo? Answer long term is no, the project's going ahead. Short term, no, as well, because I mean, just in the last month, I've signed over social development type grants to different community organizations and institutions in the Karoo area. We didn't cut any of that money. The only money we've cut is money that we wouldn't actually have spent as a result of COVID in this financial year. Understand that the delays in the international project are caused by several factors. Obviously, one of these factors is that COVID affects the whole world. And so every single country that's a member of the SKA is affected as we are. And so they have their own budget constraints and concerns. And they're going through the same kinds of discussions that I guess we're going through now. Also, there's the issue of travel. You know, for example, the prototype dish that's been constructed in the Karoo, the first SKA dish, which would add on to Meerkat. Uh, that's a project which is largely uh, coordinated by China and Germany. They can't travel here now. And so that's slowed down. And so everything slows down as a result of, of, the, of the COVID interruptions. So just in summary, then, that's, that's uh, the reason that we can, without feeling any pain at all, uh, hand over this money for useful application to fight the effects of COVID. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Chairperson, thank you. Thanks uh, very much, Rob. And uh, maybe if I could ask Clifford to talk about the, our other international commitments, Chair, with your permission. Okay. Uh, good, good morning, everyone. Um, I'll just be short on that one. We, South Africa subscribes to a number of multilateral uh, global research infrastructures uh, in which Sorry. you have... We need to see you. Oh, sorry, Chair. Uh, so South Africa uh, subscribes uh, through a membership structure th uh, to a number of uh, multilateral or global research infrastructures that no one country could afford, just like the, the SKA. And in our case, those uh, include the, the CERN, which is the uh, European Nuclear Research Organization, in, um, uh, as well as the Joint Institute for Nuclear Research in Russia, as well as the European Synchrotron Radiation Facility. All of those are uh, our participation as a country by our researchers and postgraduate students uh, is supported uh, with funding uh, from GSI, which is managed by the NRF. Uh, all of those, because it's a subscription-based, membership-based kind of structure, the obligations that we have um, towards those cannot be postponed or cancelled. 
uh, just like that. So we, in terms of the principles and approaches we've adopted, there will not be um, any cuts uh, related to, uh, to those activities, Chair. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Chairperson, uh, with your permission as well, the last one uh, around explaining the postgraduate student issue. Uh, as I tried to explain, Chair and uh, Dr. Pillay uh, will hopefully uh, elucidate. The, we do not intend to cut any active students. Uh, so I'll ask uh, my, uh, my colleague, uh, Dr. Gass and Pillay, just to explain again uh, how we are approaching this matter. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, as you've seen on the slide presentation, one of the principles that we put out, out there is that the budget cuts will not affect postgraduate students. Uh, this was to minimize the effect in securing the next generation of researchers, which has been a concern, obviously. And I'm glad that the honorable members have focused on the importance of ensuring that we do secure the next generation of researchers. Having said that, this only affects uh, the postgraduate students of the current year. Given that there is a new DSI NRF policy on postgraduate students, which includes full cost of bursaries and partial cost of bursaries, obviously the number of students that will be supported into the future will decrease. The only way to address that would be to increase the resources. But we are alerting Parliament to the fact that in the intention, with the objective of retaining students, we have now developed the full cost bursary mod, uh, model. And that will come into effect in 2021. Therefore, the net effect would be that if we stick with the same budget, there will be a reduction in the number of students. Um, this is an important area to protect, especially if we want to ensure that we advance the transformation agenda of ensuring a, a representative workforce going into the future. I think it's also important that I respond to a question raised by one of the honorable members about gender-based violence. And that is that when you look at the South African Research Chairs Initiative, there are a number of chairs in the community of practice that actually deal with gender-based violence. So allow me to stop there, but I'm quite happy to take any further questions. Thank you. Okay, honorable, and, and honorable Chair, there's one last question that we haven't responded to. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, whether we have some creative, innovative ways and way of uh, reaching uh, learners and, and educators uh, in the schooling system with regard to uh, the various science engagement programs. And I'm going to request, with your permission, uh, my colleague, Dr. Beverly Demons, to respond to that. Uh, thank you, Honourable Chair and members. Yes, I. I do think the community has um, engaged and taken up very quickly to the idea that because of the cancellation of all pub public-facing entities, uh, public-facing... Uh, Hello? We can't see you. Oh, okay, sorry. Are you in the dark also? 
No, fortunately not. Maybe later, 10 o'clock. <laughs> so okay. I'll get finished. Okay, so what we have is that we have found that many of the festivals, especially ones like uh, CyFest Africa, for example, have capability to move many of their lectures onto online and virtual platforms. So uh, lectures that would have been held at the festival itself, many of those scientists have been able to give those same lectures to public audiences who are able to connect online or on different uh, virtual platforms. The Science Center network around the country, those who are, have the capability as well, have taken to these virtual platforms, much like the ones we are using now, or Zoom, and they continue to provide uh, both uh, learner and educator support and and fun entertainment uh, science con content and uh, development. For example, the Cape Town Science Centre uh, offers and has a, had a great response to science uh, matric classes, Zoom science online, uh, and uh, hosting science uh, coding activities, etc. And these apparently have been very well uh, subscribed to. So we have seen an adaptation to uh, technology uh, in that uh, um, live online um, environment in, in the centers that have that capability. For the postgraduate students, you would know that our issue of communicating science, postgraduate students uh, have been for the last number of years uh, taking part in the Fame Lab uh, competition, an international competition, and South Africa has done very well. Um, in those finals and those that is continuing with the postgraduate community online uh, and the finals will be uh, held this month uh, on the online platform as well. So we are seeing uh, this uh, move from uh, physical interactive um, formats into the online format. The other uh, move that has been quite successful is a partnership with community radio and community television. In the month of July, the NRF has partnered with uh, Soweto TV, uh, community TV, to host a series of educational inserts uh, around the work done by uh, mostly um, scientists out of the um, Saatchi initiative on issues of health and science-based issues that affect the communities and working on these. There is a young science journalism uh, program uh, that is training uh, interns and unemployed youth in science journalism, and they work with community radio, more especially uh, at the provincial level. So we do see that um, this type of partnership uh, with uh, radio and TV has really um, taken off. And then the other online platforms like publications on um, the, the Conversation Africa and special resource publications on COVID uh, for school uh, learners and for educators um, is has moved very well. So I think um, work is ongoing. Can you hear me? Yes, Chair. Okay. I was requesting that uh, you pause there. Yes, I'm, I'm finished now. Thank you. Yeah, when I say please, can you stop just uh, complying? Okay, uh, I think I would like to, to wrap up uh, 
Chair, can I ask a question? Okay, I, I was going to say, I see your hand up, uh, Honorable Pozzoli. I want to wrap up, make it quick. It's just a clarification, just a quick okay. clarification. Um, Dr. Dr. Ganson Pillay talked about how no students will not be funded. But in the department's, um, in the department's slide 18, their um, APP target has gone down from um, 3,100 to 2,000 um, and 9,200 9, to 6,000. That means 4,400 fewer students in the APP. So could you just clarify what, what you mean by no students will be affected? Thank you. Honourable okay. Chair, if I may respond. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Professor Bozzoli, as you would have noticed from the presentation made by the CEO, one of the principles that we adopted is that we will not have any budget cuts on student grants. Therefore, the numbers that we projected for the current year would remain as the number that we would support. Obviously, the impact of COVID-19 has also had an effect on the uptake of the scholarships. And therefore, the information provided by the CEO in his presentation includes the rate of uptake of the scholarships by the 30th of May. We extended that till the 12th of June, and there hasn't been an optimal uptake at that time. As part of that budget cut, we have used the bursaries that have not been taken up by the extended date to be part of that COVID-19 budget cut savings. Thank you. Okay, maybe let's get a DG to, to clarify that one. Because the targets were projected revision or proposed revision in the DSI APP. Yes, thank you very much, Chair. Just briefly, um, as we indicated, we'd like to do the reconciliation, uh, number one. Number two, uh, the DSI not only funds the NRF, but it funds other programs, uh, including the NRF. So can we just uh, do the reconciliation and then uh, we will come back with the final numbers. But uh, as, a, as a, we've also indicated, we've probably estimated the numbers on the basis of the budget that were cut, but if the entities have got different ways of augmenting that, those numbers might change. Uh, and then quickly, we have a, a responses to Honorable Mananiso on gender-based violence, but because we don't have enough time, we're happy to just put that down in writing, both from the NRF's initiatives and the work that we're doing with the Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you very much. I think let's do that. Just put it in writing and then send it to the committee. Um, <clears throat> I think we've come to the end of uh, the discussion. Uh, it has not been a very, it has been almost like a very bleak uh, kind of a scenario uh, that has been painted about these cards. And I think the committee has already expressed itself about how disappointed and concerned it is about 
the further cuts to the already underfunded department. And uh, whatever platform that we get, I guess members will be able to express that. And uh, we'll see working with the minister on how we we can uh, work around that. Because one of the, the, the national development plan targets is also to increase uh, as the percentage of the GDP, uh, <clears throat> the investment in R&D. And I think generally when you, when you target DSI and its entities to cut, so you are impacting on that NDP target, which is a very important target. I know that the investment comes from both private and public. But in the past presentation, I think it has been demonstrated that uh, the bulk of the investment comes from public sector and the public entities. And the DSI and its entities is almost like the driver of that, uh, of that program and how that has to be also articulated. So this cut is going to impact heavily on the scientists and I think it's something that uh, we should be very concerned about. But I don't think it has to be gloomy, doom and gloomy. I mean, uh, the information that has been shared with us, uh, 10,000 ventilators that are ready to be uh, delivered by the CS CSIR together with the other uh, entities, it's an excellent news, locally manufactured, locally developed, and something that will be responding to the to the pandemic. And I think as we know that uh, these ventilators are quite critical uh, instruments or machines that are used in hospital to attend to the patients. So it's, it's also a good news in a way. <clears throat> But, uh, but as members have said, I think uh, much more needs to be done, particularly to increase the funding for, for our scientists and uh, for the department. But as always, you know, after interacting with the department and the entities, you know, one get a sense that there's too much work, very good work that has been done uh, by scientists, uh, <clears throat> by uh, public officials employed in the department and in the entities to better advance uh, the interest of the country and to put the country on a on a on a on a map on on a good pedestal. So I think, uh, thank you very much. Uh, continue doing the good work. Um, I think this brings us to the end of the meeting. Just to um, remind members that we are meeting on Friday. <clears throat> so Friday we will be considering the minutes. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes that we have not finalized. We'll also be dealing with uh, the reports 
uh, one of which is what we've been processing today. We need to adopt these reports so that uh, they can be published in the ATC. There's two more reports I think that we'll be adopting. And then we have dedicated some enough time to brief the members on the on the framework document that has been prepared by ourselves regarding the inquiry into the SMU uh, and the legal brief that we've received from legal services. So basically it's a preparatory work that uh, has been done to brief members so that we are all ready as we begin the inquiry. So that is something that we'll be doing on Friday. Otherwise, thank you very much, honorable members. Uh, <clears throat> enjoy uh, the rest of the evening under these conditions of lockdown and, uh, and uh, electricity load shedding. I hope uh, members and everybody else is coping. Otherwise, let's take care of ourselves. Thank you very much. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Bye bye, Jane. Bye bye. Bye bye, champion. Bye, Shanaz. Anele, Shanaz is the champion. Please uh, uh, greet her well. Greet her correctly. Say bye bye, champion. <laughs>